Hallelujah. What a beautiful, beautiful song. Thank you, Brother Ben, for playing that this evening. It's just some wonderful words of endearment to our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you, each and every one. We come here to see the Lord. Amen. I'd like to sing that. Oh, I want to see him look upon his face. We'll start with the first verse. As I journey through the land, singing as I go, pointing souls to Calvary, to the praise and glory. Many arrows pierce my soul from without.
Maybe we can sing, Lord, I lift your name as we stand together. As we're singing this song, Oh, I want to see him. I was just thinking of those that were walking with the Lord on the road to Emmaus. And they just said after, Did not our hearts burn within us as we talked with him along the way? May that be the reality for each one of us tonight. Amen. We just want to draw close to the Lord and have him draw close to us and speak to us and just uh, minister whatever we have need of. Amen. All right, let's sing this. Lord, I lift your name.
Hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, there's just something about that name. Oh, Jesus, 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 there's just something you to come and lead us in prayer tonight. I just have a couple of prayer requests um, and just want to make known the memorial service of our sister Dodds. It will be tomorrow evening at 6 p.m. and it's going to be streamed on the Bible Way site so those of you that would like to uh, stream it, it will be available. just want to remember that in prayer. Remember the Dodds family. And also just want to remember the the camp meetings coming up. We just want to bring that before the Lord tonight as well. Maybe we can just sing this chorus once more and then I'll have our brother EPA come. Oh Jesus, 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 something. to thank you this evening for yet another opportunity for counting us among the living. We give you all the glory and all the honor, all adoration for your mercies, your goodness, your love, your protection, your victories that you've given to everyone here, Lord. For we are a true testimony that indeed the blood availed much. Our Father, here we again to be fed from your 
very word, I pray, even as the servant of the Lord come this evening to speak, I pray that you anoint his voice, you anoint him, that he will not speak of himself, but the word that will proceed out of his mouth will be, oh God, it will minister life and hope and courage and faith to everyone here we ask in Jesus' name. Lord, we also want to pray, oh God, for the prayer requests that were table here, oh God, for the Dodd family. And Lord, for every other one we seek, brother Milko, and anyone we seek here, um, Lord, we just ask your divine presence, your spirit, your healing virtue will move across this pew and heal everyone in Jesus' name. For the scripture says, oh God, that for, for I sent forth my word and my word healed them of their diseases. Lord, we are trusting even at the preaching of your words, there will be healing. There will be deliverance. There will be touch, change of life this evening. That as many that, will, that have come here bound, afflicted, tormented, demented, whatever problem they have come with, I pray that your word will sweep across this auditorium and will touch and will set men free, women free, young people free. That at the end of it will have cause to glorify your name for being in service this evening. Oh, Father, one more thing I'm so grateful, Father, is that we, you, we, 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 have, we don't have a dead religion. We have a living religion, a living God, living in, the, living in His people, manifesting Himself as He has always done. Oh, Father, just yesterday I was just discussing about how the prophet said that the Holy Spirit is a prophet. And a prophet will remember how he was standing in the pulpit and will designing the thoughts of and intentions of the people, telling them their sicknesses and their diseases, and praying for them they got healed. Father, Lord, the the spirit of the Lord is here this evening to do likewise. That you use the mind of God, you use His lips as He speak, may it be life and hope and health to as many that are here. Lord, we ask thee. Father, we just want to surrender ourselves this evening to you, O God. That you anoint our heart, you sanctify our heart. You open our mind to receive your word from you this evening. That no one that have come here will go back the same. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Thank you, Lord, because you know you've heard us. Have thine own way. For in Jesus Christ's name we ask. Amen. Thank you, brother. God bless you each and every one, those that are streaming with us on the American side. We just wish a, a real great big God's blessing to you as well. Amen. Looking forward to seeing you soon. Amen. You can have your seats tonight. Brother Mike Ray is going to minister to us today, so we'll just invite him to come. and We're going to sing a song together, How Great Is Our God, The Splendor of a King. The splendor of a king, oh, clothed in majesty, all the earth rejoices, all the earth rejoices, he wraps himself in light, and darkness tries. Trevor. 
We worship you tonight, Lord. Lord, that we can call you not just our God, but Lord, my God tonight. Lord, a personal God. Lord, that hears and answers prayers to your people. Lord, that we calling upon your name over these last weeks and months. You're moving amongst us, Lord. Continue to stir. Continue to bring hearts to you, O God. Break through the crusty souls, Lord. The crusty shells upon hearts, Lord. Bring back the lost, O God. Save the prodigals, O God. Heal the sick, Lord. Lord, that's who we come to. Jehovah Rapha, our healer. Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Lord, we lift our voices up to you. There is none like you. No one can touch our hearts like you, O God. We worship you, Lord. Oh, God, in this atmosphere, we lift our voices. Worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lamb. Lord, may the temple shake tonight. Lord, the temple with our voices and our praise, our adoration to our King of Kings, Lord. Lord, in this atmosphere, in this presence, Lord, we have a couple needs tonight, Lord. Lord, as we call and pull upon you, oh God, we're a needy people, Lord. And Lord, Brother West, our deal has sent a need in, Lord. A dearest family friend, Lord, sick in body. Lord, right on the edge of, of what we call life, Lord, and on a ventilator. Heavenly Father, we send your Holy Spirit, Lord, to her little hospital room. Right this very moment, Lord, usher strength into her body. Lord, fill her lungs, Lord, with strength. Oh, God, eliminate, Lord, pneumonia. Eliminate the viruses, Lord. Lord, we serve a living God. Lord, we don't, Lord, your will be done. But, Lord, we're praying your healing power would go just now, we pray. Lord, Brother George brought a need forward, Lord. A missing loved one, Lord. A friend that he knows, his father knows, and he's missing. Lord, you know exactly where they are. Lord, you find, Lord, not just natural and spiritual. Search him, oh God. Find him, Lord Jesus. Bring him back to the fold. Bring him back to his home. For the glory of Almighty God, we pray. Lord, not that, Lord, we would receive any glory. But, Lord, that you receive the glory. We lift you up, Lord. Hear our needs this evening in Jesus Christ's name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I've just been pondering over these last several weeks. Don't just think, take our prayer just willy-nilly. When we pray, it's because we know there's a God that hears our prayer. Amen. When someone comes up for need and they have, it's their, you're coming up by faith because you're knowing there's a God that can hear the prayer and my faith then calls out to it and pulls down on the promise. Amen. So you that have come up for prayer, you that have held up needs, you hold on to that. Don't say, well, I prayed and that's, no, that's not just it. You hold on hard to the, the faith in the healing power of the promise. Amen. Don't just leave it there, but you hold it and don't let it go. Amen. God bless you tonight. God bless you tonight. Just a little, we're gonna, that'll be all the songs tonight. Musicians, thank you. Uh, just a little note, we turn to our scriptures. We'll turn to John 19, 28. Uh, just a little note, I just wanted to let everyone know what camp is uh, two weeks today. I believe it is. So two weeks today will be our camp will start. I know some will maybe trickle in a tad earlier, but uh, Wednesday night, there was some some questions and maybe a little bit of mix-ups or so, but Wednesday night is our very first meal. So those that are coming, yes, Wednesday night is a meal. So please come on Wednesday and uh, camp starts then that night and food will be will be provided and we'll have just a relaxed evening together and make have some time with the family, our family. 
Amen. I'm going to try, with the Lord's help, nothing of my ability, that's for certain, is to uh, take part two. I'm very terrible at part two. (laughs) So you pull, please. Maybe a little bit of last week. We'll just try and recap maybe just what we missed or what we couldn't get to. Um, So if it's short, it's because it's the last couple pages I couldn't get to. (laughs) But uh, we'll just pray the Lord opens a little bit, just a little thought, and we'll kind of cap where we started last week. Amen. Amen. So we're going to start in John 19, 28. We'll read again a little bit uh, where we ended last Wednesday. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. And now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar, and put it upon hyssop, and put it to his mouth. And when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. Amen. And now we just, we had a wonderful time last week just speaking about it is finished, finished work. Amen. And we, we speak finished and clinched is what we spoke on. We'll carry that thought maybe a little bit, a little bit further on. And he bowed his head and he gave up the ghost. My, what a moment. What a moment. We'll turn also to Ezra 6.13. And just we'll just have we'll just read a little scripture there. Pray we can get to that tonight. Ezra six thirteen. While you're turning, Brother Tom and Brother Sister Joanne, they're just in the state side with the Dodd and the Powell family as they prepare for the memorials. Just remember them in prayer. It would just be a time the Lord could speak to to many loved ones and friends that will gather. Ezra six. If you, different, if you have a different pronunciation for some of these names, well, forgive me. All right. Then Tatne, governor on this side of the river, and Shethar Bazanay, and their companions, according to that which Darius the king had sent, so they did speedily. So they're going to uh, deliver, deliver a word. They did this speedily. If you read back, and we'll be there a little bit further on. But I want to just focus on these next verses. And the elders of the Jews builded, and they prospered through the prophesying of Haggai the prophet, and Zechariah the son of Ido, and they builded and finished it. Amen. They built it and finished it. All right. According to the commandment of God of Israel and according to the commandment of Cyrus and Darius and Artaxerxes, king of Persia. And this house was finished on the third day of the month of Adar, which was the sixth year of the reign of king of Darius, the king. Amen. And this house was finished. Amen. On the third day. Amen. Well, you may be seated. May the Lord bless the reading of the word. I ended last week just speaking on uh, finished and clinched, and we are speaking on it is finished, a finished work. And I just want to continue on, and maybe I was going to maybe even call tonight, against all odds, you'll finish it. Against all odds. And, but uh, I'll just go part two, and so we'll go from there. So you, you help me tonight. You need a poll. You need to really help me, because I, I hit print on my notes, and I wasn't even near finished. Oh, dear goodness. <laughs> print on. <laughs> I said, Lord, you really got to help me tonight. But Amen. So you, you do your part. I'll do mine, all right? Amen. So to be able to say we finished, we spoke last week on what an accomplishment it, it is, and how, how much the feeling to, to say I finished it. I accomplished something. And it's usually... Usually something major that we do, we say that for. We don't usually say, I finished it, or what an accomplishment you achieved, or you can don't scream out and believe, yes, I did it, 
brush my teeth today. It's just not usually what you do. It's, it's usually something a little more major as we spoke last week. Something like, you know, milestones, you know, Stanley Cup or something like that. Or maybe somebody NFL or something would, would, uh, you know, raise the, the trophy of their head. They probably would then be like, yes! Did it! Right? You know, it's, it's big deal. I'm sure there's a whole lot of screams that happen on the top of many mountains. Uh, some bigger than others as they reach the top. And that last final moment, they're sucking back on oxygen as they would on Mount Everest and some of the larger ones. And I'm sure if they could, they'd scream as loud as they can. And all you hear is probably all you heard. But in their mind, they're screaming very loud. I finished it, right? They'd probably lose too much oxygen up on the top of Everest. But so finishing a major goal doesn't come, though, without major obstacles. Major obstacles, right? Right. So, but who likes major obstacles? <laughs> Sister Rena, you're one of the few. <laughs> Not many people like major obstacles to uh, to go through, and so they usually try and minimize, you know, minimize the obstacles we got to tackle as we work to finishing whatever we're looking towards. And so sometimes they stack up their teams. You know, we've looked at teams in sports and certain things, and they just, you know, you look at the lineup, you're like, well, of course you're going to win. You look at look at who you got on there, and uh, and so people are trying to minimize, you know, how or best position themselves you know horse racing they they breed horses very specifically and it's no wonder some of these horses win is because they have come from a long line of of uh of champions and such because they want to take everything out they can and put a surefire winner on the line right so they're minimizing that because who, who who likes those uh obstacles you know, i always envy different ones that have like sponges like minds like sponge you know as we go through school and you study and you study and you study and some people just like they have no problems. They just listen to it once and off they go. And they don't even got an obstacle. So I don't even know how they can shout, you know, and, and even be glad in their accomplishment. It's like, well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> Look at the brain you got. <laughs> I'll shout that, you know, I'm finished. But, uh, and so, you know, different ones have different challenges, I'm sure. But, you know, we looked, I thought about Alexander the Great as I was just pondering. And, you know, we call him the Great. Uh, they do because of what he, you know, what he accomplished. But, you know, he, he was a son of an emperor. Uh, he was trained very, very young with the, with the best of trainers. He was trained by Aristotle, who was trained and taught by Plato. And I mean, guy was born to succeed. Even had prophecy behind him. I mean, <laughs> it was gonna, it was gonna happen whether he probably liked it or not. So, you know, his greatness came from other places, but, uh, you know, we, we, we generally try to, try to minimize. So people have trying to done the best they can to just wipe out all the obstacles they can and, uh, and not come up with what we would call and what I've said is, you know, have the odds stacked up against us. Nobody wants the odds stacked up, right? So what is that exactly? You say, well, what are the odds? I'm not really a betting guy. <laughs> Hopefully none of you are either. And, uh, but you know, when that's a term from obviously, uh, you know, the deck stacked or the odds are against you. It's, uh, you know, when you pretty much have something against you or it's very extremely unlikely or impossible for something to succeed, right? So even though it seems completely impossible, you're going to succeed. So that's against all odds, right? Abraham against all odds. And so, some of us have maybe more odds stacked against us as we go through life, and we'll talk about that a little bit. Back in the 80s, who remembers when the U.S. beat Russia in hockey? I know it's before many of your time. <laughs> yes, but the odds were stacked against them. And they were, Russia had won four Olympic golds. 
That's every four years, so times, times out by four. And hadn't lost a game since 68. This is 1980. And, uh, and here came the Olympic team. Everyone would maybe remember it was called Miracle. They did some film on it, and they, they beat. They beat Russia. And, and they whooped them. They had gotten whooped just a few days before in an exhibition game, 10 to 3. I mean, nothing was happening. But against all odds, against everything, the States came and beat Russia in, in hockey, which was like a major upset. Major deal. And they probably had, they screamed their lungs out saying, I finished. <laughs> I did it. It's a big deal. Big deal. I, there was a, I was just looking through, you know, who's come against all the odds, you know, in life. And what comes up mostly is sports, for whichever reason. Sports is always right there, against the odds, you know. And uh, there was this fellow that piqued my interest. His name was John Starks, and probably nobody even knows who John Starks is. Who knows who John Starks is? Exactly. Nobody knows John Starks. But at the end of it, they said everybody should know who John Starks is because he was, uh, he, he was, he's the classic rage to, rags to riches, you know. And he said, it's just a shame that nobody even knows about him. He was, in a word, they said an overachiever. They said if in the dictionary, the word overachiever in the dictionary, there should be a picture of Starks because that's exactly what he was. But he was never supposed to succeed. Not in high school, not in college, and certainly not in the pros. He had a, a firm desire, uh, I mean everything, passionate beyond passionate to try and become an NBA player. He was, he was just fervent to become a basketball star and it began in his hometown in Oklahoma and he went to Central High School and nobody wanted him on the team. He just wasn't even good enough. So he begged for groceries, tried playing for several community colleges and still wasn't really good enough and finally he got he was able to make a division one team in the oklahoma state and they finally accepted him as he bade groceries and just kind of tried to do some work he went in after college he went undrafted into the nba which was expected and you'd think that someone would say you know what i've tried everything i've tried high school i've tried college ball i've tried everything i've tried to get drafted you know and he this guy worked hard and i do mean hard it just it just wasn't there this wasn't happening for him and so he hung it up. No, he didn't. Starks played in the independent leads, leagues. He played and he played and he played and he played and played. Literally, that's what. That's how many times they put played in the in the uh, little write up on him until he forced his way <laughs> into the Golden State Warrior team. Literally played and played and played and played and played till he forced his way into the Golden State team. All right. After one season. Out he went. He got the cut. He thought he would give it up. Nope. He went over to New York, packed his bags, was a long shot, and tried to get on the Knicks roster, which he did, but they were trimming it down because they were too big, and so, and they were trying to trim their team sizes down to meet the league maximum, and he was right on the brink of getting cut. And so whether he did it intentional or not, but he tried to make a dunk on a fellow named Patrick Ewing, which didn't match up, and he got hurt. And because he got hurt, they couldn't scratch him. And so guess where he stayed? He stayed on the next lineup. All right? This guy was a non-starter. A nobody should go nowhere. He didn't get cut. It healed, forced him to stay on the roster. And he worked so hard with such a huge heart and determination. He worked harder than anybody, anybody. And he became the Knicks, one of the most emotional players in NBA history, and an all-time great Nick. And in fact, when he returned to, I believe, Madison Square Gardens or wherever they played, the whole arena gave him a standing ovation when he just, when they actually saw him in the place because the whole, the hometown loved him so much. He finished it. 
He had a dream, he had a goal, and he finished it against all odds. All right? This is natural. We would call these Cinderella stories. Right? Everybody likes Cinderella stories. They like to see the, the, the small guy, the nothing, make it to the top. Everybody know what Cinderella story means? Uh, the down and outs. They like to see everybody get a little bit of a break, right? You know, and somebody, obviously the fairy tale, somebody steps in and gives them, you know, gives Cinderella some special, special help there to get to the end. But, you know, what they call in, in, uh, in sports, they actually call it uh, sometimes midnight struck. Or it, they strike midnight, which means they don't make it. They don't finish it. They were a Cinderella story, but because they just couldn't finish it, they couldn't really make it through, and midnight strikes for them and all the magic's gone. That's what they call that. Midnight strikes. But on a, on a, let's flip it around and we're gonna just, whew, now keep going. Now we set the, set your tone there a little bit. You know, we're all a little bit of Cinderella's. Cause everybody here has got, is against all odds. Everybody here is against all odds. Cause you have got the most vehement enemy against you. The vehement enemy against you. And so we're all a little bit of Cinderella's here. Some of us pounded into hopelessness, submission, uh, hopeless submission because we've got cruelties of life. We've had setbacks. We've had circumstances that have happened. We've maybe our, our whole demeanor or maybe our, our mental thought of who we are is crumbled. We've played a comparison game. We've tried to compare ourselves with each other and we just have our, the lowest self-esteem. Some are laden with guilt so heavy from, of our past, we can't even fathom why anyone would even love them. Some just carry around maybe an innate sense that something's missing, broken within you, and you can't really name exactly what. And we've got, some have gone through life and are carrying burdens and heaviness of hearts. And all the odds are against you. And your circumstances are looming so large, almost too great. That you feel like, really, I'm not even going to make it. But Abraham says, we've had difficult. Satan has fought us in every way. But thou art God who overrules all things. You overrule difficulties and circumstances. Oh, my goodness. I just thought, my goodness, we, ha- we, we serve a God who overrules circumstances. Think about it. Oh, they just go through this and they go through that and this happens. You're like, my goodness, those are the worst set of circumstances someone could go through. They've just, everything's been set up against them for their failure. But we have a God that can overrule circumstances. I don't care. You might go through the worst of times, the worst of situations, the worst complicated that life could even, could even come your way. And the odds are stacked against you but we serve a god i'm preaching a god tonight that can overrule circumstances he can overrule the pain he can overrule the pee the the agony he can pour in peace he can pour in comfort he can pour in strength and overrule everything satan has tried to throw at you i'm just going to simply preach tonight from my heart because i'm just preaching tonight you've got to finish it 
You've got to finish this course. I don't know where you are in your, in your spiritual walk. I don't know where you are. And I don't really care about my nose. If you are halfway through it, you need to finish it because you need a God that can overrule circumstances. You need him in your life. You need the Holy Ghost in your life. So when you go through difficult, difficult situations, you can say, I have a God. He overrules what I'm going through right now. Amen. Now, Satan's got a lot. And, he, and what you, if, you might, if you don't feel like it right now, he's stacking it. He's stacking it. So he wants to make sure that you ain't going to make it. And he's put a lot against you. He's put a lot against you. He's got this huge, huge bet. You ain't never going to make it. Never going to make it. Bankrupt him. Every son and daughter of God is going to bankrupt him. Amen. Because you are born to finish. That's where we'll go. You're born to finish. Amen. Amen. Because when Christ is in you, the author and finisher of our faith, against all odds, you will stand. Amen. The same life, if we, if Jesus Christ, the same life that was in him, he was against all odds. We went over it last service. And you know what he went through to get to the cross. What he went through to say it is finished. Even before that, all he went through. My goodness, he was born as they, as they would have called him illegitimate. And the scorn that he would have had. And the mockery that he would have had. And all that he went through just to get there. And then the cross. It was against all odds. But he still hung on the cross. And he said, it is finished. And if that same life that was in Christ Jesus dwell in you, it shall quicken your mortal body. Amen. Quicken you so that it doesn't matter what the circumstance may say. He overrules it and you'll say, I'm finishing it. Amen. You might have a whole lot around you. Say, man, brother Michael, I have got so many battles. I've got demons all around me. I'm, I'm fighting. I'm fighting hard. All right. Second Chronicles 14, 8 to 11. And Asa had an army of men that would bear targets and spears out of Judah, 300,000. And out of Benjamin, bear shields and drew bows, 200 and fourscore thousand. All right, that's 280,000 and 300. So we got 580,000 people. That's a lot of people. You'd say, these guys got it. And there came out against them from Zerah the Ethiopian with a host of a thousand thousand. That happens to be a million. A thousand, thousand, and three hundred chariots. All right, so your five hundred thousand looks a little bit weak. You got better than two to one. Say, I'm at a two to one. Devil's against me. And then Asa went out against them, and they set the battle array in the valley of Zarephath at Merashah. And Asa cried unto the Lord his God. I love this prayer. Lord, you put this prayer on your lips. You say, oh, he's surrounding me. Satan is all about me. I turn to my left. I turn to my right. I turn to my rear. He's all around me. I got troubles and aches on every side. I'm sick. I've got this disease. I've got this circumstance. This is your prayer. Lord, it is nothing with thee to help, whether with many, whether with many, or with them that have no power. (laughs) Ha ha. Amen. It don't really matter, God. It could be just me. Just me. Or it could be millions. It don't really matter to you. It's nothing with thee to help. Amen. Help us, O Lord our God. For we rest on thee. And in thy name we go against this multitude. O Lord, thou art our God. Let no man prevail against thee. Glory. 
Isn't that a beautiful prayer? Lord, it is nothing with thee to help with, whether with many or with no power. Help me. Help me. I always love the next verses. We spoke about it just even on Monday. I love, and the Lord smote the Ethiopians before Judah, and they fled. And Asa and the people that were with him pursued them. Ha! Yes! He didn't just call on him and say, Lord, help me. And then nothing happened. They pursued them. And they were overthrown. And they could not recover themselves, for they were destroyed before the Lord. And they carried away very much spoil. Glory! Amen. Against all odds. Finished it. I'm just going to go through a couple examples. Just, and they might feel like way all over the map. But you know what? All of our issues are way all over the map. Because we're all unique individuals, right? And so maybe one speaks to one, maybe one speaks to another. And so you just draw on strength on whichever. It's scripture. And scripture is eternal. And the strength that comes from it is eternal. And life-giving. And this is where we'll, we'll just want to speak tonight a little bit. In scripture, I want to just let's just talk about Ruth and Orpah. Persuaded, pressured. I want to just go in Ruth one. Now here, their hus- their husbands had died. Naomi's husbands had died. They're in a pretty rough situation. A lot of sorrow, a lot of heartache, a lot of pain. Try and put yourself in, in, in their shoes of where they're at, and this home was completely crumbled. And Naomi now wanting to go back home. And change her name to bitter, because she's had a bitter, she's just a whole bitter uh, experience now, her whole world. She wanted to change her name even. And so now she's leaving. And wherefore, she went forth out of the place where she was, and her two daughters-in-law with her. So now they're all leaving. They're all going with her. And they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said unto her daughters, go, return, each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as ye have dealt with the dead and with me. Leave me. Go back. You're better off back at your, at your home. You're, you're better off not going this way with me. You're, you're better off, but Abraham ties it back to denominations and he's telling or, where Orpah would go back. He says, you're, you're, be, you're better off. She said, she said to him, go back. And the Lord grant that you may find rest each of you in the house of her husband. And then she kissed them and they left, lifted up their voice. And they wept. And they said, No, surely we will return with thee unto thy people. And Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters. Why will you go with me? And are there yet any more sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn again, my daughters, and go your way, for I am too old to have a husband if I should. Say, I have hope. I should have a husband also tonight and should also bear sons. Would ye tarry for them till they're grown? Would you stay with them for having husbands? Nay, my daughters, for grieve with me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone against me. And they lifted up their voice and they wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law. And she left. And I was just thinking about Ruth now. And here she was now left at, uh, left to make a decision. And here, easy life is back home. Much easier. Everything she knows is back home. 
her parents that she's, she's now been with Naomi, but her family is back home. That was easier. It, w- it was easier to say, you know what? I'm not going to go this way. This is the tougher way. This is the harder way. The odds are stacked against me here. I'm going into an unknown land. I'm going into a place where they actually scorn me. I'm going to a place where they would actually mock me. I don't even know what's there. I, Naomi's, Naomi's in, in, in mourning and bitter. And here, I'm going to go. I'm going back is easier. And she's being told, go back. Let it go. This walk's too hard. And she's getting all the momentum just to, to, to drop it. Don't tell me you haven't been given, an, uh, given those, those moments. Just drop it. It's too hard. I can't live this walk. Just, just go back. Just, just everything you've stood for, just let her go. Nomi's actually telling her to do that. And she said, behold, thy sister-in-law has gone back to her people. Naomi's speaking to Ruth. And unto her gods, now return thou after thy sister-in-law. Get going. Leave me. Leave this way. The road has gotten too weary. But something was inside Ruth. I don't think Ruth even could understand what it was. I don't think you can even understand when the way gets tough and the way gets weary and the way gets just, just the circumstances too hard. Something inside of you is saying, mm, I can't quit. I can't let this go. See, everyone's telling me, my friends, my family, the ones that have fallen away, just go, just leave it. Who believes this anyway? What good is it doing? Look at the battles you're in right now. Just, just go back to the world. Something. She says, no, 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 I'm going to finish this. I'm going to finish this. See, I didn't know she would know what she's going to finish. But she's going to finish her part in the scripture. That's what you're going to do. You're going to finish your part in scripture. And something's driving her. I, I can't go, Naomi. I can't go. Something to say, I gotta, I gotta drive, I gotta finish this. Something began here. Something, something beyond what my mind can hold. There's a drive inside a craving. I have to stay with you. Yeah, because there was a Boaz ahead of her. Redemption was ahead of her. She was going to be redeemed ahead of her. And something was craving for that. She didn't know it was there, but something was pulling her because she was a type of a bride. You're going to fulfill your part, Ruth. You can't let this go. You can't drop it. You must believe it because it's in you. A seed gene of God is in you to finish the course. Ruth said, entreat me not to leave thee. Amen. Entreat me. That's a big word. Or return from following after thee. From whither thou goest, I will go. Oh, these are good words. You've heard it a thousand times. May they sink in. Where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people, my people. Thy God, my God. Where I diest, Will I die, die, I will die. Where, then there will I be buried. And the Lord do so to me. And more also, if aught but death part me and thee. Something sank deep there. Naomi got the picture. Nothing is moving this one from her course. Nothing is going to stop her from finishing. Nothing. She clenched that nothing but death will separate me. And so when Naomi saw that, 
that she was steadfastly minded. She then left speaking unto her. Love it. Love the scripture. What a type and shadow that was driven to finish her part. Driven because she was a type of the bride of Jesus Christ. Brother Bram says, notice, Ruth was willing to forsake her idols, forsake her past life, forsake her people, forsake everything, and return with Naomi. No matter what the circumstance was, she was willing to go on. I urge you tonight, forsake it all. Forsake your past, forget it. Everything that she knew, was there and she was being urged to go back to it everything forsake it forsake your past forsake what you know forsake your people forsake father forsake mother forsake sister forsake brother that's what she's being asked to do and she was willing to do it no matter the circumstance willing to go on my Abraham says I don't care how rough the road gets You'll still hold on to God's unchanging hand. No matter what lays before me, if Jesus goes with me, I'll go. Amen. Maybe we'll touch on another little one. Queen of Sheba. She had a different set of odds that she was having to go against. She was rich. She had everything. She had it all. Maybe Ruth, on the other hand, had nothing. And she was, she, it was a different situation. I said it was going to hit at a couple different, different areas. But here we had the Queen of Sheba had everything. She was a long ways away, but there was something. She heard. She heard something was going on somewhere in Israel. And something started to stir inside of her. All that she had, she had all, she had her religion, she had all her priests, she had her money and her jewel and her family, she had all the cushiness of life. But she was missing something. She knew she was missing something. And so here she, here she just makes a decision. She's gonna drop now all of her position. She's basically forsaking all that she was just to go in here. What King Solomon was all about. She had a lot to lose. She had a lot to forsake. But Abraham says. She laid in some animals down with gold and silver and frankincense. Great stones. Great price. Let's think that she said in her heart. I'm not going down to sit down here in Sheba. And just be a wet rag. So now we know where she's at. This was all just wet rag to her. She said this don't matter to me. I'm going to go down. If they've got a revival going on that, that manifests the presence of a living God, I'm going up to find out about it. Amen? That's where her heart was. So from there, so it goes from if they've got that among them, we haven't got it among us, and I want to stop these creeds and find where there's something that can talk back. Bless that woman's heart. She was hungering and thirsting for God. Amen? If God's in it, put everything behind it. You've got your soul, your heart, your mind, your talent. All that you've got, give it to the glory of God. If he isn't God, then let alone. And find out where he's at. If it isn't truth, then he says, let alone. But she knew there's something there. So here she packs up. And here now she's going through the desert. Can you imagine how much money she has in her in her caravan? 
And Brother Branham says here, the children of Ishmael was in the desert, fleet-footed riders, robbers and murderers. And here they got thousands of dollars sitting in their, in their little caravan here. Brother Branham says, but you know what? Her faith and desire to see the kingdom of God, God stopped it for her. He made a way for her no matter the odds. No matter what was sitting up in front of her. She had to go through a desert, a a den of thieves that she was going through. She had all her stuff with her, but it didn't matter. She was leaving it all behind. She was going to, she was willing to go through dark areas and dark valleys to through death just so I can actually reach what Solomon is all about. And if your heart is so hungry and thirsting to come to God, God will make a way for you to get to him. He always did. And he always will. He said she was determined. Determined. Willing to go all the way. She's got on her camels and did a travel perhaps through night. He said pressing on in Satan. Now listen to Satan on every little mirage. Out in the desert saying, oh you can't make it. Oh my, how many mirages have you had him sitting on? In your, in your walk, you can't make it. You're never going to do it. You, you can't, you can't get there. Do you see how the journey, do you see what you need to get through? Do you see where you're at right now and you think you're barely making it now? You're never going to make it. It's false, he says. There's no need of going. Why are you laughing? Why you're laughed at? You're excommunicated. What if you get up there and start acting like them people? Well, then you'd be thrown out sure enough and your prestige, you're a great person in Los Angeles, Sheba, in Clover. You had a great name. You must remember from coming from a great high standard of people. And here you are going with a bunch of polluted up there in Israel. Why you shouldn't do that. This is not what she was going through. Forsaking all. Against all of this. But but I'm saying she was determined. There was something inside of her moving. The deep was calling to the deep. Something was calling. She was thirsting and hungering for a taste of righteousness of almighty God. She'd pull through anything to get at it. You will pull through anything to get at it. A son and daughter of God won't really matter what Satan starts saying. Ah, you won't make it. You can't do it. You're going to do this. They're going to think this about you. You're going to be the scorn. You're going to be scoffed at. Mm-mm-mm. A son and daughter of God say, I don't really care. I'll leave all my prestige behind. We have sons and daughters. We have believers that have left family. They've left riches. They've left big families that hold a lot. He said, forget it. They're going to just put it all aside for the gospel. We have queens of Sheba that have laid it all down. And you don't even know who they are but they let it all go because they'll pull through anything to get to it amen you know sometimes the odds that we have to get through to reach the finish line or to reach where we need to go maybe sometimes it's like blind Bartimaeus but Abraham speaks that message blind Bartimaeus like 15 or 16, 17 times. Many times. And he dramatizes Blind Bartimaeus so, so vividly of his situation as he sits there ragged and tattered and begging and blind. And he talks about him having a terrible day. And he talks about him how they're just not giving the money like they used to anymore. You know, begging is just becoming extremely low income. And how he had sacrificed so much. And he'd given, uh, he had his little doves. And he gave and sacrificed his little doves for the, for his daughter that needed healing. And then he had his little lamb that would guide him. And he would talk about the little lamb that would guide him through the streets. And they were his eyes for him. And then his wife got sick. And so he gave the lamb as an offering. 
and God healed his wife. And here he had nothing. Nothing. And Brother Branham talks about him. He says, oh, the odds are against me. I said, Lord, is there somebody like a blind Bartimaeus tonight who just feels in their walk, in their spiritual world, the odds are just so against them. The wretched, blind, begging, that's how they feel in their spiritual walk. You're feeling dry. God feels so far away from you. Everything that maybe your friends, lost friends, you're just all alone. And here, blind Bartimaeus is just all alone. And even to the extent where he's so alone, he's sitting there begging. And then he's hearing the crowd as, as Jesus is coming by. And he tries to get up and say, what's happening? And he's pushed down. Be quiet, old man. And he's getting in the way begging. And, and he, Brother Brown talks about it multiple times. I said, Lord, is somebody feeling maybe like they're in blind Bartimaeus' spot? Where the odds are just so against me. And now he says, someone has to lead me home. I don't even have a lamb. It would take to take me home. And the priest said, you can't do that. Brother Bram says, the priest said, you can't offer the lamb. He's your eyes. Brother Bram says, oh, I never will forget how it struck me. He says, well, but God will provide another lamb for Bartimaeus' eyes. Amen. The one that could finish it for him was just on the scene. He might, you might feel like you are in total darkness. You might feel like you just can't see a thing. Your spiritual walk is about right here. It's just darkness. But there is one who can open your eyes. There is one who can make the darkness turn to light. You won't need a little lamb no more. You won't need someone leading you around day by day, barely getting a crumb, barely getting a little bit of spiritual walk. But there is one. Christ Jesus is on the scene. All he had to do was cry out, Son of David, have mercy on me. That's all you need to do tonight. If that is your condition, just scream out against all odds. Don't sit by the gate too long. Don't sit by the gate too long. What if he didn't do that? What if he didn't scream out? His heart, his yearning, his desire. What if Ruth didn't have that? That, that, that burning desire and she just went back with, with Orpah. Or Sheba, Queen of Sheba. No, no, no driving there. Don't be like there and we're just wondering. I said, you know what? Don't, you can maybe identify with half of it. Or I said, I know I just wrote down. I said, don't identify with half the story. Don't be like, yeah, that's me. I'm feeling so down like that. My spirit, uh, my life is just like blind Bartimaeus. Where I feel like I'm going nowhere. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just begging barely for a crumb of my spiritual walker. Maybe I'm like Ruth where everything is just crashed around me. I've been torn. And my, my, I got friends telling me to go this way and, and to, to leave what I've believed. And, and I, I'm just, I'm just really wrestling through my, through my spiritual walk. Or maybe you're like Queen of Sheba and your heart's telling you to do one thing. Your heart's telling it's true. Yeah, yeah, that's where it is. But, but I gotta leave it all. And yes, that's me. Oh, I can identify with that. I can identify with that. Don't identify with halfway. Identify with the finished story. You go all the way. If you're in that position and you're wondering, oh my, should I go? Should I leave it behind? Leave it behind. If you got your friends tearing you one way, should I go? Is this right? No. Say, I will go. Where you die, I die. Where you live, I live. Your God, my God. Identify with the whole thing. No matter the odds, no matter how difficult it is, 
finish it. You know, we've had different ones go through some difficult times here. I was just even thinking some incredible odds, incredible difficulties amongst even our church. But they, they finished. They are set their eyes on the prize because they have an anchor. I was thinking of Sister Beth. I just even looked, I was looking at her testimony. If you haven't seen it, you go home and see it. On the website, Sister Beth was diagnosed with Philadelphia positive, former leukemia. You want to talk about against all odds? But there's only one you can turn to. When it's like there's nowhere else to go. There is there is a place to go. And that's where Brother Kim and Sister Hetty and Sister Beth turned. And so I just caught a couple little little pieces as Sister Beth was speaking. And she says, I wanted to quit. She even says, she says, I had suicidal notes ready. Already wrote. This is what she says. No chance of survival. And if she survived, physical effects from radiation... Issues with lungs and hearts, kidneys, brain, lymphoma, dental failure, central nervous system issues. This was if she survived. The odds were stacked against Sister Beth. This is a real life day. This is a real life. You say, oh, that's the Bible. No, this is Sister Beth right now today. Everything was against her. Everything was stacked. You're not going to make it. You're going to die. Oh, but she drew down on the healing power of Jesus Christ. Amen. She got a perfect heart. She's not only sitting with us and blessing every one of our children in the school. Her perfect lungs. She's got perfect thyroid. She's got perfect brain. They said, oh, you won't even be able to see. She says, I got 20-20 vision. Amen. And she goes, I don't even have a cavity. Glory. My goodness, that blessed me so much. That's our God. You stack your issues and put Sister Beth's testimony on the side and you say, if God can do it for her, if she can, if he can heal her, if he can give such perfect healing where she don't even have a cavity after all of that, he can do a perfect healing for me, whether natural or spiritual. Amen. So, well, my situation is pretty daunting. But you know, Jesus was ordained to finish because there were prophecies propelling him forward. Amen? They were propelling him because they had to come to pass. So they were spoken, and so he's just being propelled by prophecy. Amen? Right to the very end. Glory, it didn't really matter at the end of the day. Am I going to overcome? There's prophecies there that are going to propel you to the finish. And if the same one, the same, if there's prophecies that, that put that life, his life, on a hill on Calvary to finish it, like I said before, the same life is going to propel you forward. Because you've been chosen to finish. Unto as many as the Lord our God shall call, John 15, 16 says, Ye have not chosen me, but I, Christ, have chosen you and ordained you. Glory that ye should go and bring forth fruit ordained you to bring forth fruit that's the finished cycle that's all the way that's not i've ordained you to become a dry stick 
I've ordained you to become a twig with a teeny bud on it. Mm-mm, mm-mm. I've ordained you to become a leaf. No, a little blossom. I've ordained you to bring forth fruit. That means it's a finished cycle. And the fruit should remain. And that whatsoever ye shall ask in the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Amen. Amen. Now, I'm going to go into a little section. Lord, help me through this one. God places the desire in you, child of God. He places a yearning as he did Ruth, as he did Queen Sheba, as he did you and I. There's something there. All right? And you have a desire. There's something for me. And now, the Jews in Ezra, at the building of the temple, there was a desire in them to return. Because prophecy was being fulfilled. Prophecy was coming to pass. Seventy years will you be in captivity. And prophecy was now coming to pass. And something starts to well within them. I need to go back. I need to get there. All right, we're going to go through this a little bit. Amen. Do you know prophecy? you got to put yourself in the book. They could put themselves there. They were in captivity. They knew of a prophecy of Jeremiah. They knew that we're only here for seven years and then we're going to be released. What about prophecy for you? How are you seeing yourself in the book? You have to identify yourself. That's me. That's a prophecy according to me. And then that prophecy will propel you to the finish mark. Amen? You say, well, Malachi 4, 5. Behold, I send you Elijah prophet. Whose heart is he, is he turning? Wait, that, that's my heart that is turning. That, that's me. Wait, is that fulfilled now? Hey, that, that, that's, gonna, that's manifesting right where I am. That's me. You've got to put yourself there. I read Revelations 19. After all these things, I heard a great voice, much of heaven, singing, Hallelujah, salvation, glory, and honor. But Abraham says, it's the bride. And I heard it was, we're a voice of a great multitude. Continues to say, and she was, and here was granted that she would be arrayed in fine linen. And he saith unto me, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And I said, that, that's me. That's me singing hallelujah. That's me singing praises to the, to the great I am. Hallelujah for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. That's me. So if that's me, then I'm going to be propelled to get there by the word of God. Jeremiah 25 said, and shall come to pass when 70 years are accomplished. This is scripture now, if you want to wonder where it came from. That I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, saith the Lord, for their iniquity in the land of the Chaldeans, and will make it perpetual desolation. Isaiah 44 also said, that, that saith of Cyrus, he is my shepherd and shall perform all my pleasure. This is a prophecy for Cyrus, a, a king in Babylon. Even saying to Jerusalem, thou shalt be built and to the temple, thy foundation shall be laid. 45.1, thus saith the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have holden. Oh, I love that. Here Isaiah is prophesying that Cyrus of what's going to happen and what he's going to do to release the, the, the Jews out of captivity. And he says, he is my shepherd and shall perform all my pleasure. And he says, thus saith the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have holden. God's holding his right hand. He can do nothing. His right hand of power, whatever he chose or tried to do, God's holding his right hand. You're doing that. You're doing that. I don't really care what the devil's trying to do. God's got his right hand holding. And he's saying, you're not going to do that, Satan. Oh, I'll allow that. Oh, I'll allow that. He's got nothing. If he can hold Cyrus's hand, he can hold every demon's hand and only allow what he wants to happen. Whose right hand I have holding? 
my goodness, king of Babylon and Persia and all that. And here he thinks he's making decrees and it's all just God holding his right hand. Oh, to subdue nations before him. So here, 70 years now have come to pass and the Jews are seeing this. This is our time. We're ready to leave. And so now there's a burning desire and they do the, and Cyrus makes the decree in Ezra 1 and 2. I'm just going to follow there a little bit. It says it's now time to go rebuild the temple. And he's now fulfilling prophecy. Okay, so here we go. My, can you imagine after 70 years? Freedom. Here we go. My goodness, we're free. We're not bound to this pagan and heathen area. And so now they're able to free. They're able to go back to rebuild the temple. This is glorious. Have you ever been slaves? Exactly. Right answer. And it's glorious. When you're free from the bondage of sin. Glory. I'm free to worship our king. I'm not bound by the chains of sin. And of darkness that are on my mind. And plaguing me in this. No, you're free. You know the feeling. That's what they're feeling right here. So Zerubbabel and Jeshua. Zerubbabel from the line of David. Jeshua was from the line of the high priest of Aaron. And so they go back. Two years. They then start. You know what happens? The local people around them, they say, hey, we'd like to join in and help you. <laughs> Mm-mm. This ain't happening. This is our temple. This is our God. There ain't no mixing. There ain't no mixing. Don't you dare. This, this message, don't mix with no denominational ideas. Don't you put yourself, I, you, you get out there and witness, but don't you dare think, well, we're just all one big happy family. Go back to the circle that Brother Murphy talked about, and it's Christ in its purity, in the pure word form. That's the center post. There ain't no mixing with a bunch of uh, uh, denominational wishy-washy what worldliness. It ain't happening. There ain't no mixing with just loose living and loose standards. We have a holiness gospel. He said, uh-uh, that ain't coming in here. That ain't coming into our realm. This is our God. This is our temple. And we will be pure people. And we're building it. Well, they didn't like that. Be careful. You say, no, hey, hey. We don't have that standard around here. We live pure. We act pure. We dress pure. We don't cut our hair. We don't do this. Oh, they became their enemy now. Careful. So they start building the foundation work now to be done. Oh my, Satan hates to see life start to be built back. Someone starts to come back to their position. Prodigal comes home, heart's starting to, to become tender. Oh, he gets so angry. And he starts to stir the storms. And now they start to hound them. And they start to give them problems. They hire people now to afflict them. This is what's going on as they're trying to lay the foundation here. All right. Say, wait a second. This can't happen. We can't, they, we can't allow them to build the temple here. And so they send up. They say, whoa, wait a second. They say they hired counselors to frustrate their purpose. Scripture says to frustrate. You ever had, have you had, yeah, I'm sure you have some demons that are frustrating your purpose. Just recognize where they're coming from. So the complaint, though, is sent up to high command, spiritually speaking. So this copy of a letter, they send a letter now. 
up and they say, listen, do you know what's going on? They send a letter up to uh, Artaxerxes and they say, do you know what's going on? They've got a, uh, they, they, be it known unto the king that the Jews that came up from thee are come unto Jerusalem, building a rebellious and bad city. That is what the scripture says, a rebellious and bad city. Amen. Yes, indeed, it was a bad city built to stand against the enemy and set up walls. Be it known unto thee that this city to be builded and it's going to come and it's not going to pay toll. They're not going to pay tolls. They're not going to pay tributes. They're not going to support your kingdom and it shall damage the revenue. Absolutely. We will not bow. We will not bend. We will not subserviate ourselves to the, the, to the things of this world. And we ain't going to give our strength to Satan's kingdom. So he says, now, because we have maintenance from the king's palace and it was not meet for us to see the king's dishonor, therefore we have sent and certified the king and, and a search be made into the records of thy fathers so you shall find that this city is rebellious city. This is what they send a letter saying, stop this. They've got some history. They'll hurt you. Oh, yes. Yes, devil. Get that one right. The sons and daughters of the living God are rebuilding back. And they are a violent against your kingdom. And he knew this. And so they're saying, hey, 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 your kingdom's going to suffer. You let this build up. You let this kingdom come. You let these people become strong in the word. You're in trouble, king. So, whoa, we can't have that happen. Satan says, ain't happening. Double down. Send in more forces. Attack them. And that's exactly what happened. So he says, all right. He says, the king sends a letter back. and says, I and, and command and search has been made, and it has been found that indeed it's rebellious. He says, give ye now commandment and cause these men to cease, that the city may not be builded. Take heed now that ye not fail to do this. This is the king speaking. Why should damage grow to the hurt of the king? And the next verse says, they made them to cease by force and power. Oh my. So here, the enemy has come and has ceased the building by force and power. Oh God, help us anybody that is... Their lives have been building. It's been stronger. They're just setting their little feet down. Maybe it's someone whose spiritual walk is, is, is just getting built up and Satan's going to pour it on you. He's going to pour it on you. You stand against him. Amen. Don't let him make you cease by force and power because greater is in he that is in you than him that is in the world. Greater was the, they had more power. They just didn't recognize who they were at the moment. Let's just flip the page. Because here now they stop. And the word of the Lord comes now. And the prophets say, wait a second. They say, Haggai and Zechariah. And they speak. And they say, thus saith, speak of the Lord of hosts. This people say, the time has not come. Saying to people here, no, no, we can't build it now. We can't build the temple anymore. We, they've been forced to stop. And Hosea or Haggai is saying, the, the Lord is saying, this people say, speaking of the Israelites, the Jews, it's not time. The time that the Lord's house should be built, it, it's not now. We can wait for another day. We, we, can, we can't do it. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Lord is speaking. He's saying, no, no, no. The time is now. This is the time. Get back to work. It's time to rebuild the temple. Why is there delay? Why are we delaying? This is the time to build up our hearts. This is the time to start getting. If if our walks with Christ, if our spiritual walk, if our Christian walk is wavering, don't just say, well, you know, now is not the time. Now is the time. 
Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses and this house lie waste? This is God speaking. The temple was not being built. They're living in their homes with sealed homes that are all nice and, and sealed up and all that. And here he said, and, and he's saying in the house, my house, the temple, lie in waste. I think it's spiritual now. Now, therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. I said, Lord, help us. Just right now, consider our ways. Are we, been, are we been worrying about our natural lives, our natural walks, our natural things of this world, our status, our jobs, our pleasures, our this, our that, our friends, our whatever it is, and we're all more concerned about this, but God's temple, your spiritual life, lays in waste. Consider thy ways. Help us, Lord. Haggai says, you look for much. He says, when you look for much, it meant harvest. And lo, it comes to little. And when you brought it home, I did blow it up. I did blow upon it. Why, saith the Lord of hosts? Because my house, that is waste. And you run every man to his own home. Saying, what are you doing? Get your priorities right. Get your eyes off your natural home. Get your eyes off this natural world. And look to my temple. It needs to be built. There ain't no prospering. There is no prospering when your spiritual life is in shambles. Mark my words and mark Haggai. Now, but things started to change a little bit. And here we'll try and wrap the service up here. Things started to change. Because now, Zerubbabel, the son of and Jeshua, they obeyed. And the people obeyed the voice of the Lord. He said, you know what? They were rebuked. They were chastised. They said, "Mm -hmm. we'll take that. It's from the Lord. And that's exactly what it is. My life is not where it should be. I do not have a spiritual walk. I've been just halfway. I I, I don't even really even, I barely even pray. I barely even read my Bible. I I barely even know how to pray. My attitude is totally off. And they took it. They said, you know what, Lord? I'm going to obey your command. And now the time to finish building. It's time to finish it. It's time to finish it. And so now they start making a move. And now a forward move for Christ is made. Oh, we're going to build. A, here we go. God, I'm, I'm all yours. My life is consecrated. I'm surrendering everything. I'm laying it down. There is not one thing in this temple that I'm going to hold back. I'm completely surrendered to you. What is your will? And they start to build. And they start to put, the, put it together. And guess who comes again? Satan's coming against you again. Here he comes. Here he comes again now with different people. Who hath commanded you to build this house? Jehovah! <laughs> this was a different response. They didn't say that. I said that. And then we said, these, the, these ones coming against them, what are the names of you men that make this building? If you read for long, they start identifying themselves. They say, I'm not ashamed of this gospel. This is exactly who I am. This is exactly what I'm building. This is my God. I'm like Ruth because I'm identifying what Naomi. Her God is my God. Her people is my people. I'm building the house of Jehovah. This house. This house. Oh my, they said, we are the servants of God of heaven and earth. This was different. This was different. They started recognizing who they are. I am the servant of the living God of heaven and earth and build the house that was builded these many years ago with the great king of Israel that he'd built up. And so they're saying, okay, this is who I am and this is why we're doing it. So they reference back to prophecy and say, because of prophecy, because of the word, that's why we're here. 
They recognized that they were chosen and called to finish this work. You are chosen and called to finish this work at this end time. That's where the bride is recognizing, that's who I am. I'm the bride of Christ. There ain't, the devil can come. Who do you think you are? Uh, I'm Mrs. Jesus. Who do you think you are? I am the son and daughter of a living God. And I'm recognizing that I am called and I'm chosen to finish it. And so they reference back to the prophecy. But in the first year, Cyrus, the king of Babylon, Babylon, the same king, Cyrus made a decree to build the house of God, holding right hand. And he made a decree and it was made and prophecy now must be fulfilled. And so we're building it. That's who we are. And they, they keep speaking. They, I mean, because they, they got vessels of gold. They got vessels of silver. I mean, they just got unloaded. Here's all, this, here's all the vessels of the temple that we took. Take it all with you. It was like 5,000 instruments. Take it all with you. Well, isn't that glorious? My goodness. God's going to pour it all on you. Start walking in his word and start walking in his scripture. God will just start pouring his word into you. He'll start pouring his promises into you. You start walking in that. You'll find out the strength that you need is there. You know, well, I don't know. No, you just stand in prophecy because it's spoken of you. But they didn't believe him. They said, Then came the same Shezbazar and laid the foundation of the house of God, which is in Jerusalem. This is, this is Jews speaking. And since that time, even until now, it, and, and yet it is not finished. And so here they are, we're gonna finish it. And so Tatnay the governor, as we read at the beginning of the service, on this side of the river and another a bunch of their companions, they go and they say, search the treasure house. They write to the dairy, say, search the treasure house. Is this really true? Is this really what they say? <laughs> yeah, it is what it says. Hate to break it to you, devil, but search it. You want us to search it? So they went and searched it. They went and searched the treasure house. And you know, once a decree has been given, you know, in Esther and in Daniel, they give a decree, there ain't no changing it. There's no way to change it. When God says something, there ain't no change in it. No change in what God said. It's spoken. It must come to pass. Ezra says, the dairy, then Darius the king made a decree and the search was made in the house of the rolls where the treasures were. And there was found at Archimetha in the palace in the provinces of the Medes a roll. And there was a record and thus written. <laughs> Thus written in the first year, Cyrus the king, the same Cyrus the king that made a decree concerning the house of God of Jerusalem. Let the house be builded. There's no bucking the decree. There's no bucking the promise, prophecy that God has for you in this day. Walk in it. Stand in it. Because that is your strength. There ain't no way you're going to get off it. Do not step off what God has spoke about you. Satan must come into subjection to the word of God. Come into subjection. Balaam tried to curse Israel. He couldn't do it because he could only speak blessing. And there was no stop in the temple now. And they finished it. You know, the same Satan, he tried to go down through the ages. He did the same thing through the ages. 
And here the, t- the foundation was laid in Ephesus. And man, he tried to thwart that. And he tried to just subdue it. And he tried to even make it cease. And it almost looked like he did. And that lingered there through the dark ages. But then they started to recognize. It started to grow a little bit. They start the enemy thinking he had it down. But the scripture that says... I will restore. You cannot get past the prophecy, Satan. You might try and subdue it for just so long, but I will restore all that the cankerworm, all that the locust, all that the caterpillar, I will restore, and I'm going to raise up a people, and the temple of God, made in fleshly bodies, will be restored to my full power. Amen. You know, well, I'll come to a close right here. I was thinking. I was just pondering. I said, Lord, maybe he's just waiting on you to finish your part. And I was thinking, Lord, what's our part? And it just came back to me. You can think of many things, I'm sure. But what came back to me constantly was just, your part is Surrender. Your part is surrender. And I'm just wondering, as we close the service, how many temples are half built? Are half built? Because we haven't fully done our part and finished a full surrender. We're too far down this road, saints. We can't have half finished temples. Half-finished temples, halfway Christians, halfway lives that we have. Scripture says, lay aside every besetting sin. Lay it aside. I'm saying tonight, I'm just talking to you very quietly. I want you to just ponder, Lord, is my temple half-built? And I've gotten waylaid. And I've allowed Satan... To come against me. And my walk is not where it needs to be. I'm not, I'm not living the way I need to be. Or I've kind of made a step towards you. And I really want. But I haven't actually fully surrendered. And I need to finish it. I need to finish it. And maybe you've sat for 10, 20, 50 years. I don't really care what it is. If the temple's half built. You are not going to Christ. I'm saying tonight, as we spoke last service, maybe those that are sitting in the outer court, I'm saying finish it tonight. Finish it tonight. Let's just bow our heads. I'm just, I was, Brother Branham says a little quote. He says, why will we stand back like a coward? Why will we stand on the sideline? Let's follow the captain. Let's follow him that went to Calvary. When he went to Calvary, he is wounded for our transgression. Take what he gives you and fight sickness and sin and fight unbelief away. Tell the devil he's a liar. Christ said he has overcome the world. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Christ in you, that greater than that sickness that's in your body tonight. Greater is the power of Christ than that little besetting sin that you can't overcome. And I want, I want everybody tonight, 
heads bowed, eyes closed. And I just want you to just say, Lord, I want you to take a real close inventory. Have I given everything, everything, except maybe that little besetting sin that I can't overcome? And I'm not all the way. And I want to finish it tonight. I have stood in this position. I have trudged through this journey. I have gone step by step and I've overcome certain things and such, but there's just that little area that I have not let go. And I want to finish it tonight. You can raise your hands. You can stand if you want to stand. But this is your moment tonight. So Lord, may the temples be finished. May a full surrender be finished tonight. Amen. You can just start playing around. I better Ben, draw me nearer. Let's just sing that together just sweetly as we just think about, Lord, I want to be near to you. I don't want nothing unfinished in my life. Yeah, I've had a lot of odds. I've had a lot of issues against me. I've come through a lot of things. I've got a lot of hurts, actually. But he's here to meet that need. But you've got to surrender that to him tonight. And just lay it down at the altar. Clinch your experience tonight. If it's healing, Lord, I'm drawing on it tonight. I said, Lord, I said, when Jesus hung on that cross, he said, it is finished. It was finished then. And tonight on your lips, if you need to take the word of God that he spoke as he hung on the cross, you speak it to Satan. You say, Satan, tonight, tonight, it is finished. Let's just sing now, draw me near as we just keep our hearts and eyes on him. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, oh, to the cross, where thou hast notes here and I was had in my notes I just talked thought about Saul 
This is serious. This is how serious it is. Because Saul, when he went with Egg, and Samuel told him to go fight with Egg, Egg, and he couldn't finish it. And he didn't kill him. He didn't take care of it. And actually what happened is, if you go back around when Saul died, it was an Amalekite that killed him. And the sin that he couldn't finish was what came back around and finished Saul. And tonight is the night to finish the sin that so easily besets us and let us run the race and set our eyes forward. Let not another service go past. We don't preach just to put our breath in the air, but we preach so that you might attain Christ. Don't let something that's hanging in your heart, something that's made you just halfway, something that made you 99% of the way believer, get rid of it. Set it aside and say, I'm finishing it. Finish it tonight, people. Young people. Whatever is there, Lord, I pray, Lord, it rises up into your heart and say, that's it right there. God can put his finger on and say, there it is. I'm identifying the area tonight. And you can be free of it. You can be free of it now. Just lay it down on the altar and I'll take care of it. And we'll finish tonight and it'll be all over. Heavenly Father, Lord. Lord, once have stood. Some have raised their hands. Lord, those in their homes, I pray, Lord, also responding, Lord, and Lord, listening to your call, Lord. They're maybe standing in front of their couch. Maybe they're just, Lord, in a little bedroom somewhere. But Lord, the word of God, Lord, is just unctioning and admonishing and saying, just finish it tonight. It can be all over tonight. What you've battled with, what you've waged against, what's been struggling, I can finish it. Just surrender it to me. Don't let it go by. Don't let a little besetting sin conquer you anymore. Lay it down. Heavenly Father, that's the prayer tonight. That's the, the, the earnest desire, Lord. May there be roots tonight that say, Oh, I must go where you go. I must have your God to be my God. Oh, may there be queens of Shiva tonight, oh God, that have a desire in their heart. They can't, they don't even know what's driving them, but they're going to seek the Solomon Lord of their day. A greater than Solomon is here tonight. May they come and seek you, oh God. May they lay everything down, oh God. Not just a one night service, not just just to come and see, but she came, Brother Branham said, and set her tents up, Lord. Lord, may that be the desire. Lord, the consecration. That, Lord, tents can be set up. They're not moving away from this presence until, Lord, you bless them. May they be like Jacob's, oh God. And hold on. Say, don't let, I won't let you go until you bless me tonight, God. Because, Lord, we mean business with you, Lord. We don't want to have unfinished business when we reach the Chile Jordan, Lord. We don't want unfinished business, oh God. We've labored too long. The people have striven too long. We've gone this journey too long to come to a Jordan River, to come to a moment when we cross over and say, oh, you didn't deal with that there. Lord, may it be dealt with and finished tonight in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Amen, Lord. Let's just sing. All he wants is me. All he wants is me. Nothing else will do. Oh, he wants is me. Oh, now we can all stand. Nothing else will do. Oh, and not just a part. He wants all of
we wouldn't just pass, Lord, another Wednesday night aside. But you could deal with a heart because one heart, Lord, one soul is worth much value to you. Hallelujah, Lord. Let's sing only you, Lord, only you, Lord, as we
Lord, your will be done tonight, oh God. In the hearts of your people, those, Lord, those present, present and not present, Lord, we just desire, Lord, that our walks with you, Lord, become so firmly planted in your heart. Lord, as I just sat in my study, Lord, through these last days, oh, the burden of my heart, Lord, is that everyone, Lord, everyone that we sojourn worth will be able to finish it, oh God. Lord, we cross through, Lord, over into that dimension and through the pearly gates. We're looking to our left and our right, Lord, and there's not one missing because the word, Lord, has come forth over these last years, Lord, so that we'll make it, Lord, and not be left, oh God, with a halfway built temple, a halfway Christian life, but Lord, in all the way, life in Christ, we pray. Go with each one, Lord, we pray tonight. Oh, may they ponder your word, Lord. If you've gripped a soul, if you've gripped a heart, may they not leave your presence, Lord, until they've anchored and surrendered, Lord, and lay it all aside, and they can walk forth, Lord, from this moment, Lord, completely, 100%, anchored and sealed in Jesus Christ, we pray. May, Lord, each one be reverent now. We go in your presence, we dismiss each one. In your lovely name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen, Lord. Amen. Amen. Mind the Lord tonight. God bless you. Sorry to keep it a little late. May you just listen to his voice. If you need prayer, we're here to pray. Don't leave until you say, Lord, it's finished. Amen. God bless you.